You're listening to another episode of Battles with Bits of Rubber. This is the podcast about making prosthetics. I just bought um, the digital version of 1917. Oh, wow. On so I can watch it on Amazon Prime. Oh, fantastic. I saw that cinema with the boys. It was, um, yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. It was exhausting, actually, because it, is, it seems to be a little one take. Um, it, it's, quite yeah. a, it's quite an impressive story. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, not a fun well, show. I'm looking forward but... to watching it. No, not a, not a fun <laughs> movie. World War One was... Not a not a load of laughs. No, but uh, yeah, as, as a movie, it was uh, quite an experience. It was very very cool. So yeah, fair play to all those involved, and uh, Tristan Vaslaus's team. You know, the whole bunch of really cool like bodies and stuff in there, which was nice. Um, oh, the the bodies I've seen posted on Instagram were like, geez, these are incredible. Yeah, there's one thing in it. Have you seen it yet? You've seen the movie. No, not 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 yet. Okay, there's one there's one scene in particular which it's, it's no spoiler to say that a guy gets shot and dies, but there's a scene um, you watch it because this is all sort of in one take the whole thing. You see him go pale over the duration of the shot, and I'd like to look into that a bit more because that is incredibly clever. I think it's not over the top; it's quite subtle, but you can see him go into shock and his color changes. As he as he as he kind of goes pale and pasty, um, and it's quite mm. impressive because obviously that's not something as makeup artists you ever had to do before. You never had to make someone change, you know, really in the shot because you can't, not not easily. Do you know what no. I mean? I know there are some tricks you could do with lighting and all that kind of stuff, but actually to have. I'm wondering if it was digital. Oh, I suspect it was, but that's what I'm saying. It's it's quite interesting that 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 kind of has to be digital. And it kind of leads on to a little bit what we were saying before about, you know, learning ZBrush as a sculptor and being driven by the the desire to, to render something. And then when ZBrush or a digital process comes along, you really kind of want to should know how to use it because who better to use it than someone that already sculpts? So, you know, um, right. it's a magical thing. And I think it's the same with makeup. It's like if there's a thing that can't really be done with makeup in the way that it needs to be done... You know, doing it digitally, it's necessary. But who better to do it than a makeup artist that would otherwise use the same things at their disposal? But this is moving through time and changing, you know, before our eyes. Um, I don't want the digital guys to have it all. So I'm saying I'll, I want it to be makeup artists. That no, well, the I, I stuff, think that you know? leads. I think that leads right into. I think that leads right into part of what we're gonna gonna be talking about in this in this podcast is. Um, the more hats you can learn how to wear well, mm. the more valuable you're going to be to to your employer. Yes, uh, because even, and even if it's not something you are going to be personally involved with creating, understanding the mechanics of what's involved in getting getting that created, and being able to speak the same language as yeah. the as the guys that are actually going to do it, just makes makes for a smoother pipeline all the way through yeah and you just just need to you just need to be able to do that i think you know being 
a, a decent sculptor with real clay is going to make what you're able to do in ZBrush make more sense and, and vice versa because there's overlap in in the process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, people ask me frequently about, well, what do you think the, the future of, of makeup effects is, is going to be? Is, is digital going to finally take over or is, is uh, makeup effects, is, is practical makeup coming, making a, a comeback? And, you know, I think the answer is that neither is going to go away. Uh, they're only going to continue enhancing one another. Mm. And, and the more you are able to do everything under one, under one roof, mm -hmm. uh, the better, you know, like, like Todd masters, uh, has in-house CGI capabilities as well as the practical yeah. effects. So does ADI. So does spectral motion. I think KNB is going in that direction. It, it's just, just the way it is when when cgi and practical effects can work in conjunction with one another because makeup is is only additive not subtractive mm -hmm. and that's where where you've got to have cgi so if you've got you know somebody unless it's a a dummy body that's got half the face blown away you're going to have to have practical makeup and cgi to make it all work you know a perfect example of it is um, the mummy, when Arnold Vosloo's character, you know, Imhotep, is regenerating, mm -hmm. you know, it was a combination of practical makeup and tracked CGI. With that, that little scarab comes running up through his neck and into <laughs> yeah. his mouth, and he chomps, chomps down on it. And some of it you was know, pretty badly tracked. The others. <laughs> yeah, but but still, was it, was, it was a pretty, it was a pretty cool, it was a pretty cool sequence. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was very, very cool. And and uh, the 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 um the two face makeup, you know that that Batman movie that had, uh, um, the 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 or burnt Harvey off. Dent with the yeah, yeah 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 yeah, that was beautiful actually for its time. I think that was really really nicely done. Mm -hmm. But um yeah, so there's definitely some kind of way. Anyway, we in this episode. We're specifically talking about how do I get work in an effects shop? Uh, because that, that, that's a question that's come up a lot. Um, and I think it's fair that we address it fully, you know, in this in, 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 a, in a podcast episode at length. Because it, it's a many-faceted question, I think. And Maria Vavana, have I pronounced that? Vavina? Maria Vavina emailed us in January and uh, that was, you know, her question. It kind of like crystallized all of it. She basically wrote and said, I'm soon to become a graduate of makeup school. As the day's coming near, I'm more and more aware of just how little we've scratched the surface in prosthetics. I'm curious about your best tips to get into a shop. Uh, yeah, I think it, it, it may, it, in, in terms of apprenticeships, I'm not sure that they, you know, exist the way they did in the old days of the, the yes. Hollywood Hollywood That's, studio mm, system, you yeah. know, you you may have a better shot of getting an appointment to one of the military academies than than getting an apprenticeship at a at an effects studio. Yeah, I think because the thing is, uh, there were apprentices years ago. I mean, when I was uh, first starting out, I think I was about fourteen or fifteen. I've still got it. I wrote to the BBC because you know, in England, that you know, they were the, they were the the big company that were you know producing shows and. Um, this would have been, Christ, 1980, something like that. Oh, no, it would have yeah. been later than that, 85, 86, maybe. 
uh, anyway, I, I, they sent me back a leaflet and it, you know, explained about the apprenticeship scheme and, you know, there's obviously like an admissions process to get in. And then once you get in, you know, you would work, but not a lot of money, but you do everything, you know, you did, you know, news presenters, yeah. you worked on dramas, you did all sorts of things. So you would, you'd run the whole come up. But the notion of it was that as an apprentice, you were on the back foot in that you had to cut the mustard. You had to do the job well and maintain your end of the bargain because you were in the sort of in the position where if you didn't hold your end up, then basically we'll fire you. Um, so that was, yeah. And there were one of a hundred people waiting to step right in when you, when you failed. Yes. Whereas nowadays with colleges and schools and stuff, the, 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 it's a complete reversal of power in that the people on the course, you know, they've paid their money. So they start on day one owed. And I'm not, I'm not criticizing that. I'm just saying it's a different system so it seemed like the people that were makeup artists then really earned their stripes before they were in a position where they would think of themselves as someone ready to be hired whereas nowadays i've seen people go well i've done a course and it's like yeah but you're useless you didn't turn up you couldn't be bothered you know, but because they paid the money it's almost like it was transactional it's like well, yeah. i paid the money so therefore i'm now what's this. that sense of en- that sense of entitlement yes which you know if you've worked hard mis- then you owe it, mis- it? misguided yeah, so it's a weird one, but it's 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 just knowing. I think it's knowing off the off the off the front end, like you say, that apprenticeships they're not something that happen really. Um, it's a difficult one because it, it it seems like a nice exchange. It's like if I just rock up and do whatever, I can sweep up, I can do this, I can do that. That's not necessarily anyway. We'll get to that because I've got a list of uh, of points that I you know we we chatted about and we we were going back and forth. We'll go yeah. through them. Um, so point one. Uh, was was how much to charge? Like, if you want to get a, to get work, how much should you charge? You know, how much do people? Because it's it's quite a a private thing, isn't it, to talk about money and how much you might get and how much somebody else might get and sure and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's how much how much do you charge? And one of the things I think when when you get a job is obviously you've got to know. I mean, there are like in the UK, there are like you know there there are there are you know um, if you go to the unions. Um, you'll see there are set, are set wages there are set so there yeah. are set rates you know so you're looking at i mean to answer the question how much to charge how much do people get paid as a rough guide i think when you're starting out you might get between sort of five to eight hundred pounds a week you know for a five-day week but those days could be long um mm-hmm. i don't really know of many places that work that, on tr- an that translates rate. yeah and it's it's uh, based usually on a on an eight to ten hour day which mm-hmm. you know, depending on where you are which so maybe you, if you're yeah. doing, yeah, if you're doing a fifty-hour week, that's a straight ten pounds an hour, which doesn't sound like a lot of money at all. But that's because you're possibly, you know, you're you're, you're getting your training, and you know, there's some kind of subsidy regards to what you're getting out of it too, kind of thing. I think that's the, that's right. why you get a shitty end of that deal. Plus, as well, to be honest, um, it's what you might be worth because the thing is you might want more but are you going to make more money by getting paid more because if you're just cleaning out molds there's only so well you can do it <laughs> so it's like there's there's, yeah, there's a gotta, limit you to gotta how be much realistic you... about what you, what your worth is yeah and obviously as you get if you go you know more senior and you get more talented at certain things because you might throw you know 20 people into a job and five years later two of them are going to be running departments you know, five of them might be more senior and a couple of them won't have really progressed that far just because that's the way the world works. Not everyone comes out the gate, you know, hungry and eager and more successful. There are people I started out with who are doing far better than me now because that's the kind of people they are and they're just built for that kind of stuff. And that's, 
that's fantastic that's how it should be so not everything is formed equally you know and it's interesting when you come out of makeup school if you're working with people you know as time rolls by you'll see certain people just start to sort of elevate through you know just the way things are and it's like it can be frustrating upsetting if that's not you but it's like well it's just oh yeah well there's there's an unbreakable there's an unbreakable rule that says life's not fair Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> you just got to get a helmet and carry on. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you still got to do your best. Suck it up, Nancy. Um, but uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it is tough. Um, but in uh, episode uh, thirteen of our podcast, Halloween Harm and Rubber Chickens, if you scroll to about forty-six <laughs> minutes in, uh, we were talking about um, how to figure out your worth because basically, um, obviously, you got to know how much you're going to charge, and people worry about how much to charge and that that weird secret thing of nobody really discussing openly what they get paid so if no one's telling you how can you figure it out so we came up with a kind of a formula where you basically add up all your expenses for a year how much it costs to stand still and do nothing how much does your rent cost your insurance your house home and you got to think about everything everything your materials how much does it cost to eat and you know how run your phone your computer your you know all your um What's the word I'm trying How to How many nitro gloves do you go through? Utilities. How many what? Sorry, nitro gloves. Yeah. <laughs> nitro gloves. Yeah, this uh, year, a lot you know, more all, than normal. All of that, a lot more. Yeah, but, but all of that adds up. Yeah, so you need to add all that up then, for a year and then divide it by 365. And that number is how much it costs for you to stand still for a day. And so it's like if you if you can't ma- at least make that. And it was more to do with... When jobs say, oh, can you do this for free? And you kind of go, well, no, I can't do it for free. And here's why not. Because it costs me 56 pounds to do nothing and stand still for a day. So if you can't, if I have to come to you and spend a day working for you, if you can't cover that, at least there's no point in me doing it. I've, I've gained nothing. It's cost me money to come to you. So, um, so yeah. you know, there, there's I've taken jobs. I've taken gigs where I, I will break even on it, but I won't take a job where I'm going to lose money. No. No, and it might be that there are some benefits to doing jobs for, for, for free or for helping out or for less than you would like. Um, and sometimes, but they should be few and far between. They are few and far between, yeah. and but also you've got to figure out. I mean, I've done jobs for, for friends or people who became friends who needed something for not a lot of money, and it worked out really well in that we're still doing stuff now. So in the long run, it was worth doing. But you can't know that on the first meet whether or not you're going to be working with these people ten years hence. So. Um, I was listening to the um, the Chet Zar podcast. Have you listened to that? The Dark Art Society podcast. It's really fucking good. No, you should I listen to that if you haven't. It's amazing. Yeah, okay. Uh, and a couple of episodes back, he was talking to Steve Wang. And um, Steve Wang was saying about how he'd done some sculpture. He'd done, he'd done like a, a statue for somebody and it was a low budget thing. And he ended up basically having to work, I think, for like a month on it for free. They had enough money to cover materials and a little bit of labor. Um, but he enjoyed it and it was like a taxing thing and he got two of these other movies came along and he turned them down uh, because he really wanted to you know test himself and push himself to do this and I think like 18 years later he's still doing stuff for them you know and it's like so that was a, a worthy investment yeah. but he's but you'll probably like he'll have he'll have worked for people that you know screwed him over or, or you know you didn't get a great so it's one of those things where you you can't know in advance every, for sure if everything you're going to do is pay off like, you know, I've worked on shows that were paying and then they went under and then I got nothing. So nothing guaranteed. You know, So um, it's, it's it's a scary thing. But uh, but yeah, thinking about how much to yeah, charge diff- is, is a thing. 
anything anything if you answer an advert that says you know deferred payment that means working for free because yes there's never a deferred payment no because the, the the effort isn't deferred so what should the payment be yeah, I, I don't i don't know anyone who's ever gotten paid down the road no. we'll give you points on the back end no yeah it's not not having it sound of crickets yeah, I mean, you know, people will cite, oh yeah, but you know, that's what you know, Alec Guinness did for Star Wars, whatever, and look how much money. It's like, yeah, but everything's going to be most. I've rarely worked on anything that was. <laughs> most of the shows I've worked on, if you run through my IMDb, you know what I mean. Like most of the shows I've worked on, they're okay, but they're like, you couldn't like, you know, dine out because you worked on that movie. You know, what I mean? it's not like, oh, I did this. Right. Oh, really? I'll have your meal for free. It's like, you know. um, <laughs> you have to pay your bill like everybody else. So um, here's a French fry. <laughs> tell me another. So you know you've got to know how much to charge, and that's what I'm saying. There are rates. Look up rate cards to see what what you're getting. And like I said, I think like top jobs, you're probably looking at more, maybe a thousand to fifteen hundred pounds a week, maybe more, depending on how senior Which you translates. Are. Yeah, and that translates. Uh, yeah, it's twelve hundred to eighteen hundred bucks. It's is. On the on the high side is like thirty six bucks an hour. Yeah, and I, I'm talking like you which know high end jobs. I'm not talking about not, most jobs. Still not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's better to kick in the nuts. It is, but it's not. It's not for most people doing this. It's not a lucrative job at all, and you should know that going in. Um, and and the work is is yeah, it's a lot of lot of hard work for. Decent money, but not great money. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things so as you, well. You're, yeah, no, I'm thinking if, you, if you're if you're going into to this business to make to make money, you know, to have that Malibu beach house and a you know a fleet of Range Rovers, you're in the you're you're looking in the wrong direction. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying there aren't people that have done that. I mean, you're looking at like the Stan Winston sort of, yeah. world, but most people most people don't don't do anything like that it's just it's just they're more i think they're just happier that they're doing something they care about and love more than the the money it makes you know what i mean so um yeah yeah you should know that going in it's like nobody goes into theater for the money (laughs) no (laughs) definitely not theater we 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 do it because we love it and because we can't not do it Mm -hmm. Uh, How many times have you heard me say that before? Uh, a a few, few, but it, it's, it stands true. It's a good, it's a good point. Uh, point number two, um, I've written these as sort of headings just to remind me. Uh, point number two, the film industry isn't looking to take you on and train you. It doesn't need another mouth to feed, which sounds really brutal. But what I mean by that is, you know, the film industry is a machine and it's not looking for someone to look after. So, so, so rocking up and saying, oh, you know, I'll do this so you can train me that's not a good sort of approach because no one's looking for somebody to train. If you're on a film, if you're on a production, you need people to help. It would be like in, in being in an emergency room with loads of people covered in blood and screaming and then you rocking up saying, oh, um, can you show me how to help people? It's like, now is not the time. Do you know what I mean? It's like, now is the worst time. Yeah. You do need the help, but right now I haven't got the time to train you. So... You know what I mean? If you're not a medic, you shouldn't be here. That kind of thing. So it's kind of like, it's a difficult one. Because uh, the film industry isn't a single entity. It's a mass of small companies and individuals and, and, and private interests all kind of competing. So the industry itself as a thing is not looking for you. Mm. It's kind of a catch-22 because you, 
you can't get a job without experience and you can't get the experience without having a job. Hmm. Which is why, you know, if if somebody's going to hire you, they're looking for for self-starters, for people who are ambitious and and motivated. So you need to go out and learn how to do as much of this stuff on your own as possible beforehand, whether it's YouTube tutorials or doing, you know, taking some of Neil's online courses or doing the Dick Smith course or reading my book and doing everything in the book or following your tutorials. Something that says, hey, I'm willing to do what it takes to get my foot in the door here. Yeah, and you, you, you've got to, you've obviously got to balance that with like, you can't destroy yourself over it, but it's it leads me on to point number three, which is waiting to be picked. You know, if somebody says they want to do something, um, you know, well, then there needs to be evidence that they've tried because... The amount, like for example, if you said you wanted to be a chef and you haven't cooked anything yet because no one supplied you with a fully stocked professional kitchen, I wouldn't take your request that you wanted to be a chef seriously. I would have expected you to have tried to make things with whatever you had and push that as far as you can before. Do you know what I mean? So if you haven't done that, you don't Absolutely. really want to well, be a chef, do you? You just like the idea of it. Problem solving too. <laughs> yes, yes. So it's showing evidence of your desire to work. I think that's the thing. Um, you need, yeah. yeah, you need to give your practice. You need to display your journey to somebody else. I mean, um, the people you're trying to work for are like that, and they know their own kind. So, if you want to do it for a living, you should be doing it too. You need to be able to rock up, you know. And I think Neil mentioned this um, ages ago. We we're chatting about stuff like if someone rocks up with a folio full of terrible sculpts, but they've got lots of them. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like they're enthusiastic. They mm-hmm. will get better then that's much better than someone who's just done two or three two or three derivative things over the last five years. It's like, well, in what way are you obsessed with this? Why do you want it? You haven't proved to me that you, you, you care about it that much to do it more than a couple of times. So, <laughs> you know, you've got, to, you've got to not necessarily wait to be picked. I think you've got to go and make things yourself. Even if it's a cheap, even if you sculpt something and just paint it, you don't have to mold it and cast it and apply it necessarily. You just got to, if you've got this stuff, like you said, if if you can't not do it, if it's inside you and you've got to get it out in order to function, then there should be evidence of that in some way, even if it's drawings, paintings, designs, anything. Because uh, if you're not doing that for fun in your spare time, you should know your competition is. So, you know, on what yeah, basis? Yeah, well, are if you it was easy, proceeding? anybody could do it. Yes, it's not. It's, it's not. it's it's not. It's not easy. It's not supposed to be easy. So, yeah. you know, you got to be prepared to to do what it takes to make your career happen. If this is if this has been a dream since you were a kid, yeah, you know, then then you've, you know, we're 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 directing this more at people who have a desire to do it, but maybe aren't as driven as as some people and and need a need a little guidance in which direction to look yeah. to to get the the knowledge and experience you need to have a career in this business yeah it's it's a weird one because not everybody is going to have the same opportunities and the same luck and that is you know it comes back to you you know life's not fair kind of thing but you can certainly leverage your opportunities or, or the increase likelihood of opportunities by having a body of work you're working towards and at the end of the day like like i am not i'm not going to get hired for to be a digital sculptor right 
There's no way. Because when you look at Pixelogic's ZBrush or ZBrush Central, the sculptures that are already being done by people is far superior probably than I'll ever, ever be able to be, right? And those people are already out there available. Yeah. So You and, you and me both. Exactly. So on what basis am I continuing to learn ZBrush? Well, it's, it's because I really like sculpting. It's been a big part of my life. I have been lucky enough to do it professionally and I've cut my chops on, you know, proper jobs. But at the same time, I still love sculpting, even if it's just for me. So I'm kind of learning it because it's another tool. Do you know what I mean? It's another way of, of being able to express myself mm-hmm. and, and get satisfaction from that. It's just going to make your practical sculpture get better. Well, I hope so. It'd be good. But I still I still do it. I have no intention of, of showing up, you know, to Ironhead Studios and try and get a job with it because that's, I know I'm not going to be good enough. But that, that doesn't matter. I still, I'm still interested in, in being able to do it. And I think competence is, is, never, is never wasted. It's always, it's always a good thing to have, just for your own sanity as well, you know to be able to overcome something and do it. It's very good. So you shouldn't wait to be picked before you start making things. You know, I don't think it's good enough to say, well, no one's given me a job, so I don't have a folio. I think that's a really crap excuse because you can have a folio of of stuff you can do. And if you haven't been able to figure out how to do anything, then you seriously not going to be more impressive than (laughs) the the people with folios that have, because that's what we need. It's going to whine and find excuses. What's going to happen? My back's turned on a job. Do you know what I mean? I can't, fucking trust you mm-hmm. to get on i know you're just going to be like well the thing was locked or oh, we ran out of this or whatever there'll be some excuse you're attaching the laziness to and hiding behind and it's like that's fucking no one wants that you know <laughs> you well, doing something problems. is better than doing nothing yeah even if that's something even if that's something sucks yeah do so. it don't don't wait for somebody to to come say hey I hear you're you're looking for for somebody to teach you how to be a better sculptor. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah, it, you got to go out and got to go out and make it happen on your own. It's one of those things where you see it a lot on social media as well. Where like someone will post a couple of pictures, and then you know their auntie will say how good it is, and da, da, da. and I'm not I'm not saying the work isn't good. But what I'm saying is, once you've done good work, do more good work and keep doing good work. Don't like once you've heard a few nice things kind of step back i mean you see it on you know and we laugh at these programs on these like talent show programs like the x factor where someone goes up and then like they'll sing and they're awful and then simon cowell will go you're shit what are you doing you go away and then they burst into tears because for the first time someone said that's fucking appalling do you know what I mean? And no one's yeah. done them any service yeah. by, by withholding that information. Yeah, you can sugarcoat it. Maybe don't be so mean. But ultimately, you need to know that you can't sing. Or the the people above you who are next can sing beautifully. So if you can't be as good as that, who would you pick if you were the producer? You know what I mean? So it's it's really harsh. But it's it's like it's the difference between working for a living or being very good at it but it's your hobby and there's nothing wrong with either of those things. And to be honest, my interest nowadays is more the craft of it. But this question is specifically about getting work. So I just want to get these things out just so that people are clear. You know, once, once people start paying you, they've got something on you. So they're not looking to, to fix your problems. They want you to fix their problems. So you kind of have to arrive fully formed and without too much neuroses. <laughs> Otherwise, you're not going to be a benefit to anyone. You're going to be a burden to somebody. And they don't want more burdens. They've already got enough. Yeah, totally. Vicious, but I'm just being honest. Um, it's leads me on to question four. 
Question four. Point number four. Awareness of the state of the industry. A lot of people are, are, are sort of training to do something, but I wonder how much they actually know about the industry. Do they know about the types of jobs? Do they know how the jobs work in the current state? Because it's quite difficult to know how things are made unless you spend time around it. Um, but also just knowing about like current artist names and credits. And- Which I, th- I think that's I think that's huge. You know, the history of the of the industry. As well as the the pioneers and you know the guys who came before and paved the way for the current superstars in the business, mm-hmm. and you know I've got students that don't know maybe one or two names. You know they've heard the name Rick Baker, <clears throat> they might know V Neal from Face Off, um, maybe they've heard of Dick Smith, but they they don't know who the hell Jack Pierce was or or um, any of the the greats mm. <clears throat> back in the day, mm-hmm. you know, who's Michael Westmore? Mm-hmm. Who's John Chambers? Mm. You know, what movies did they work on? You, you, knowing, knowing all this stuff. I mean, even even if you know, you know, knowing B movies, you know, you don't have to know just just the American Werewolf in London for the effects in that, or or the Hunger. Or, other other pictures, you know, look at some of the stuff from the fifties, like Manster, which I don't know if you've ever seen that. But be gotta you've got to be a you've got to be a lover of of the history as well as as the craft of actually getting your your finger, clay under your fingernails. It's you know it's it's kind of an all or nothing thing. You need to have be well-rounded in what the business is about Mm. yeah you do because you do need to know like you say these people we also need to know who's working currently and how good they are and you know and and what can you do to improve literally what can you do do you need to take life drawing classes or sculpting class or whatever um because if you got to you got to figure out what your shortcomings are and how you can work on those um because if you're not as good as the people who are really good, then obviously the only way to get better is practice. But if no one's giving you the the work, how can you practice? That's what I'm saying. You've got to try and come up with things that don't break the bank but are, you know, practical. We talked a little bit about this with Neil about what's you know cheap ways of of improving and doing like self portraits with clay or just you know um, mm-hmm. light and shadow stuff with just a paintbrush, you know, and some grease paints. It's like you know keep it simple, but keep keep doing stuff and you know, pushing yourself and, and, and photographing it and showing people and getting honest criticism and working on it. Cause that's another thing as well. Yeah. Like when you, I mean, I've done it myself where someone will email me, you know, with a question and, and sometimes I have one this week and it was just like the laziest fucking question. Do you know what I mean? Like it wasn't clear what the question was. And when you ask them, they're like, I don't know, just to do uh, or, or the question starts like dear everyone or hi everyone. It's like, Oh, you yeah, know, that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah. You know, and I, 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 can't. I tried to find this. I tried, I tried to find this letter. I have it in my file somewhere. That um, years ago, back when we were doing uh, our our visual effects animation, uh, we would get submissions. You know, a lot of unsolicited submissions, and we got one <clears throat> from someone. It was a. Uh, it was basically a. Uh, to whom it may concern, or dear sir slash madam, thing, but it was a wasn't even a 
a freshly typed or a handwritten letter. It was a Xerox copy of a Xerox copy. I don't know how many times this thing had been photocopied, but it was basically. Um, I really like I really like animation and think it's something I might might be good at. Would you consider hiring me? And it's like, oh my god! Not only did this person not bother to do any homework to try to find out who they should address the letter to, but they don't have any experience whatsoever. It's like, oh, and I, I want to be an animator because I like to watch cartoons. Yeah, it's not quite it the It was uh, just, just, just appalling. Yeah. And I, I, kept, I kept it so I could show people. How not You to get do. something like this <laughs> and, and no, nobody will hire you. I mean, we would get... We would get reels that were just dreadful. We'd get some that were good, and we'd we'd talk to people, and we actually had some some people work freelance for us for a while. Um, but I had buddies at at, at um, effects shops, you know, the CGI shops in in LA, who would get reels, and they they got way more submissions than we did because we were basically at our height, we were a four man shop. That they would save up all the really really shitty reels for Friday after work when they'd have beer and pizza and they'd watch these crappy, crappy reels together and just howl. And then they would send them to their pals at, at other shops. So not only would the shop they initially sent it to never hire them, everybody's seen it and nobody would hire them because everybody in town has seen this crap. Yeah. It's, it's, it's it's a uh, it's probably quite horrifying for for, for for anyone born after 1990 to hear this, but it's like that's but but bad news travels so fast, and it's just one of those things yeah. where you could. But this is why you need to. I mean, it's not so much the if the work's bad that's the problem. It's more it's the it, it's the if someone's trying that's one thing. But if it's if it's like I say, if 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 a, if a hastily and shitty written kind of you know question is thrown at you you kind of go there is no way i'm going to spend an hour and a half like crafting a good response to this you can't be bothered asking the question why should i bother answering it with anything of value do you know what i mean just that kind of thing so it's it's good to know that we had students getting their demo reels together and they would have they would have come up with a production company name for themselves that they would put on their demo reels and you know i would look at this and go take that off you know you're you're looking you're just graduating from college you're you're sending your demo reel because somebody's going to look at this and go you already have your own production company why the fuck are you looking for a job with me i think it's just one of those things that you like with anything if you're trying to get work from somebody you just have to know that people pay to have their problems solved so if you're not somebody that can solve their problems or you don't know what problems they have that need solving, you sh- you really need to look closely at what you're doing there, what you're trying to get into. Cause it just seems like, you know, there, 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 there may be like this kind of imperative to get stuck into something without really knowing what it is you're getting stuck into. And I think it's hard, I think with this industry, because it's quite, unless you're around it, you don't really know, but I think you do have a duty to sort of seek out, 
what the industry is like and how it works and how you can fit within it rather than just assume that because you've done a course, the world is going to beat a path to your door because sure. there's lots of people just like you who and, and, and no one's doing that. People are not like, if I need someone, I'm not going to go, oh my God, I need a makeup artist. Where am I going to find a makeup? I know fucking makeup. I know lots of makeup artists. And naturally, like anybody else, I'm going to go through a roller deck in my head of who I really like. And, and I will have constructed a hierarchical order based on the people I like most and I work down from there. So it's not like, yeah, do you know absolutely. what I mean? People scratching their heads wondering. And it's just a, a realistic kind of way of looking at things. It's, that's all I'm saying. It's not like, oh, you're a makeup artist? Oh, thank God. I, you know, I had no way of finding one of these. And it's, it's like, it's... Well, it's, I think that's one of the reasons why it's still, it's important to, to learn how to wear as many hats as, as possible so you can can help problem solve you know the more value you can can offer somebody by having some ability in in different areas it's it's going to be going to be valuable it's like you know hiring somebody or having somebody around who is is likable and willing to learn even if they don't know everything they know something but they don't know everything Mm -hmm. uh, i think is much more desirable than having somebody who's got skill sets that are off the chart but has a real attitude mm. and and will and lets you know how great they are yeah they make the you spotlight know. on themselves all the time <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah it's a i think one, yeah. the day the day you think you know everything you're finished yeah i think yeah i think i think in the it, first instance punctuality and politeness and enthusiasm go a long way and maintaining that enthusiasm over the duration of the job as well plenty of people start sure. they're unenthusiastic but whether you're enthusiastic that's that's the people you want around you and you when you've been around people like that you know it's like holy shit there are people i can count on that i know they're going to be a hundred percent no matter what because they care about this more than anything else and they're going to solve your problems and that's who you want around you you know so you need to be that for somebody else. You need to be that somebody that when yeah. you roll up, somebody yes. goes, "Oh, thank fuck, it's you." I'm so pleased. And I've I've got people that I've worked with and I've had on that I would in a heartbeat. I'm like, I'm going to get David Brown in, or I'm going to get you know James Adams, or there's just people I just know that I can just count on, and they'll they'll do it because they can. And if there's a problem, they'll let me know. I won't just find out. Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> it's under, you know, they they stuck something that fucked up under a bush. Yeah. Somewhere and I'm like, what is this? It's like, you know, it's just. It's 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 having it's having these having these these people you can count on and it's, it's, it's trying to make sure that you are that for somebody else and you know because ultimately the way I think of it is like if you were going to have surgery you would want to know the person doing the surgery was the most competent person in the room you know who was really good that ace their class that have been loads of experience mm-hmm. and those that's the or if, or if you had a didn't pilot. buy the answers to the exam exactly yeah. you wouldn't want someone that's scraped in by the skin of their teeth. You know, you'd want to know that the person doing the surgery was the best person for the job. And that would make you feel more relaxed. And it's kind of like, I'm not a surgeon. We're not doing anything that important. I'm just saying you want to be like that for somebody else in whatever it is you end up doing. I think you want to try and be that person. So, you know, when when they yeah. find out it's you, they're like, be known the as the go to guy. Yeah. Just be, you know, be competent. And that means, you know, dedicating a lot of time putting the hours in but uh i think you do need to find out about how the industry works so that you can make sure you're training for the right things because otherwise you might get really good at something and find out that's not necessary or worse still you 
plowed a lot of effort into something with at the expense of other things and it never occurred to you that you know learning photoshop was that we didn't do that at college it's like well that's a big deal you know <laughs> or whatever you know it's just like yeah. it's a simple thing like that it's talk to people and there's no reason now with forums and this podcast and and, and the magazines and the trade shows go up to these people ask keep a, a record and find out you know how it goes and how you could fit into it because if you're just sort of blindly learning something in the belief that it'll be the thing that people want um you might find out the hard way that what you do or what you've been told is not what people are looking for or paying for so um do the homework and find make sure yeah do the research the information's out there yeah it's 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 important to do that um yeah, number five, I put as ability levels, you know, are you an asset or a burden, like I say. And that kind of ties in a bit with the whole, um, you know, people saying, oh, can, can you can you take me on and train me and I'll shadow you and watch this kind of stuff. It's like there are rarely occasions where that works out, I think, because I think when people offer themselves up in their head, they're thinking this is a fair exchange. You need team age, you need bins emptied, you need the floor swept. Well, I can do that and learn at the same time. But at the same time, it's hard to find someone that's going to spend their time showing you stuff and then you, you bugger off and work somewhere else. Or do you know what I mean? <laughs> you end up subsidizing their training. So it's kind of like, yeah. it was a big thing with plumbers, you know, it was like you could do your training and then you want to train under a plumber, but they'd have to like, well, but if I teach you how to do this stuff and show you the inner circle stuff, you're just going to piss off and start up your own company. So what's the imperative for me to sort of constantly have a turnover of people that I'm going to train up from nothing? So it does beg the question, well, how do you get work then? You know, how do you get into it? I'm just saying, be aware that people are not looking to be benevolent and, and help as many people out as possible because they, the people that run these jobs have got tight margins. They've got tight deadlines. There's not a lot of wiggle room. They're not looking, you know, some places do have like, you know, programs where they help people out and stuff. But on the whole, a lot of people that do this, they're running on very, very slim margins. There's not oodles of space and money and time sloshing around. And they're looking to spend it on, you know, people who want to start. So, you know, you, you've got to figure out how you can fit into that rather than hope everyone's going to, you know, squat down and pick you up. It's like, actually, you've got to grow tall enough to sort of be of some use to somebody else first. Oh, yeah. No, I, I get I get lots of lots of offers from from people who want to learn, who have little to no experience and want to come come help me and you know i don't want to be a, a dick and say well i don't have time to train you or or do the job over after you fuck it up uh so you know you know it's easier for me to do it by myself even though it might take longer than to have help from somebody who doesn't know what the hell they're doing is going to slow me down or make me have to do it all over again yeah yeah because that's that's I'm the kind sure of sure you run into that as well yeah well sometimes it's like one of those things if you're trying to find something you're looking for something it's good where is it what does it look like where did you find it it's like once a time i've explained all this i might as well just look myself do you know what I mean? it's that kind of thing yeah. it's that analogy but stretched out over a job um and there are times where, okay, you maybe need... But this is where I'm saying, it's not so much whether you know everything, because obviously you can't know a lot of stuff when you come out of college, but it's whether or not you're the kind of person that sort of has an idea. So if I show you something, it's not 
like the first time you've ever seen fucking clay. And then when I show you how to like, you know, if I show you how to, 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 to core something out to a specific thickness, after five minutes, you've got it. And you're the kind of person that can just go with it. And if there's a few small problems, you'll figure them out. You're mm-hmm. not the sort of person that would, A, ask no questions at all and continue it doing it very wrong for the whole job and then the whole thing's going to be done again. And similarly, you wouldn't be so without your own senses that you, you have to ask every five seconds what something is and then you're bugging me, in which case, in what way is this a benefit? Do you know what I mean? You've got to be that kind of person where yeah. you, you're a quick learner and you sort of know what this is because you've seen it done. So you at least have a, a sense of what this is for. So you'll do your best. You know what I mean? And and even if it's not perfect, it's kind of like, oh, I can see where you're going. And that's a hard thing to to perfect. But it's just the whole point I'm trying to get across is you've got to figure out how you can be of use to other people rather than assuming that everyone is out to be paternal and, 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 and helpful to you. There are definitely people like that. And there are times where it can be like that. But workshops are not full of oodles of spare time looking for people to pick up and help that's and i've seen or i've heard people say things where i go wow you think there's like this whole department of like training that's just on standby like twiddling their thumbs waiting for a student to to, to plop in from a shoot above and like oh goody someone else to show it's like it, it doesn't work like that <laughs> you know they're like shit we've got you know we've got, we've got 20 hours to do a 40 hour job you know boom 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 let's get this done um so you know to to, to to not have to have somebody else to worry about would be great so one thing to consider i was thinking about uh point number six is how busy is the film industry right now if you're going to show your photo to somebody if it's too busy they're not gonna be able to see you because they're too busy doing stuff unless they're hiring specifically um but and then you know so you need to kind of know when stuff's really busy so you you don't bug them at the most busy times that's why i think it's important to kind of call on a regular basis and get a feel for when you can keep track of things yeah, you got to be persistent yeah i think it's worth being persistent but not to the point where you're annoying them but also i think keep a list so keep a list of everybody you've called when you call them who you spoke to at what time and then what did they say keep a note and what, they what you talked about yeah what you yeah. talked about keep a list of that and then when you call them back you'll remember because you'll have a list you'll know when you call them oh it's been six months since i called this person so it's all right to call them now rather than call them you know the next day because um, as charming as you may think it is it isn't uh, to call them like, that, there comes a point where it becomes harassment and then that's just something you know you get blocked but um so it's keeping track of them and also i think uh writing letters beautifully i say beautifully but just well clean presented professional looking cvs and letters and, and send those out as well not everything should be email because it's very easy to ignore an email it's, it's a little harder to ignore you know a, a handwritten or you know signed at least printed text you know letter with yeah no that that i think that goes a long way to to helping you stand out in someone's mind when you when you take the time to do something a bit more personal mm. even even if it's not handwritten you know you sign it sign it personally and you know try to try to make make it something that's going to make them want to want to meet you. Yeah, put a bit of effort all, into you, it. You you've got to be willing to do, to willing to do something that that other people aren't going to be willing to do. Mm. Mm. No, I think it's worth spending a bit of time doing that. I think it's worth calling. And one thing that I've noticed and I think some colleges and some places encourage people to do this. And so that's why I think it's quite common, but I actually think it's quite damaging is when people come out of college, 
they'll get a whole bunch of stationery printed up. And they'll have like a, you know a logo and and everything, and then you open up this CV and it's full of like you know um, branded stuff, and it sort of has the yeah the sort of the feeling of somebody that's been told to have this corporate I- identity. I think I think maybe a card or a well, simple logo is fine, but if if everything just oodles and there's like you know fifteen cards and they've all got calendars on the back and you know what I mean, like you're a Chinese restaurant or something, it's just like no, it's just it. It, it's weird. It just, it just doesn't. It just something about it. I find is a bit icky. You don't want a fucking leisure wear chain of, of stuff, you know. When you've just started out, the I think best, that's bad. the best, uh, the best promotional thing I ever got uh, was when I was a creative director, ad agency creative director, here years ago, and I got uh, a, a package from a from a photographer. It was three uh, homing pigeons, and with the with the the banded things on the legs, and where you can put a note. And he wanted to send his portfolio, and I said, you know, pick one of the. Yeah, yes, I'd love to see your work. Um, no, we're not interested. And I can't remember what the last one was. And it was so cool. Everybody in the agency. We all went up to the roof with these homing pigeons and let them fly. And I, I called this guy in to see his portfolio and actually hired him for a for a gig <laughs> because it stood out so fantastically from all the other postcards and, and stuff we got from from photographers wanting man to see nowadays with flash drives get you know get gigs you could just strap that to a pigeon yeah. so that's how you get a job just get yourself a homing pigeon yeah it was and strap a usb jump drive to the leg of the thing with your folio and send it to the effects shop of your choice yeah, it was it was pretty awesome <laughs> that's amazing oh i love it that's very funny my my i had like um a little article i wrote a while ago i might upload it to here and put it in with the show notes but uh, i think having yeah having like a a schedule of uh, like like track down all the people you're going to call make sure you know their names and get in touch with them and call them by the right name and make sure that you know what they're doing what their position is and make sure you spelt it correctly because the amount of times that people spell neil gorton's name wrong is like neil with one l and it's gordon rather than gorton and it's only a small thing and it's an honest mistake i suppose but at the same time it just smacks of not really doing your research which is you know strike one if you're trying to get it in the job is that you don't have an eye for detail. Um, uh, so, oh, my name gets misspelled so much. Yes, I can imagine. I can imagine. But you know, it's we have Todd Google. with it's either Todd with one D or it's, it's not that hard to figure it out. So it's all it's all worth knowing that from from a sender's point of view. Um, but yeah, I think if you if you keep your you know keep keep a list keep you know keep a document. Like maybe even a spreadsheet and just, you know, all the list of people like you're going to talk to, when you spoke to them, what you said to them, and just keep a list so you can kind of build a pattern of, of when it's good to talk to them. Because if they, you know, we have to think of it as a business. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's a strategy. And then call them. I think, I think, yeah, call them, send, send an email with the resume, and then also maybe a week or two later, follow up with a posted one, just snail mail, a hard copy in the post. Mm-hmm. And then maybe, you know, if you're brave, try and, try and, arrange a meeting where you go to them because that's going to be a little bit more uh it's harder for them to not, you know what i mean if even if you just say look i'm gonna be in the area 
Um, I'm going to see some, I'm going to be in that area anyway or near there. So I'd like to swing by. Is that possible? You know, and actually just kind of rock up, you know, arrange it, but um, maybe go, maybe try and get a face to face meeting because not everything will be done over the phone. And you can read a lot from people when you meet them. So, you know, that might be good, but it's a little scarier. If it's it's a shop that's big enough to actually have a dedicated receptionist, get to know the receptionist. Yeah. Because people on reception are used to dealing with people like you. <laughs> uh, so yeah. I don't mean that in a mean way. I just mean, you know, just learn the names and and, uh, and, and how to be polite. Uh, and it's terrifying because when you rock up to, a, you know, a studio with your folio, you're about to expose your soul to someone that you feel could make or break you. And it's like, it's, it's a, there's a lot of... Especially when they're not particularly hiring. It's not like they're looking for somebody. You're just you're you know, imposing on them. And you want to show your stuff and, you know, you're hoping that they'll at least give you some pointers and stuff to put you in that way. So I do know that, that, that that's a scary thing. So that's why you've got to make sure you don't kind of shoot yourself in the foot by spelling their name wrong or not knowing who it is you're speaking to or what they've worked on. I mean, if someone rolls up at Neil yeah. Gordon's workshop and doesn't know who he is or what he's worked on, um, you've got to know, again, your competitors do. Like the next guy is going to come with a folio and that's exactly who he is and has followed his work for years. So, you know. If, if if you don't or can't be bothered to find out, then yeah, it's not a good good start. No, and and being being nice to the receptionist when you call and you know getting it can be the difference between getting a oh he's not in today and oh hang on a second uh, let me put you through. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Um, point number seven is how close do I live near the work? This is a point I have lifted entirely from my conversation with Neil because it is a consideration. Um, obviously, I mean, I've done courses and, and you'll have seen this as well. I've heard, I've seen on forums where people say I live in, you know, South California and I want to go up to such and such a place, but it's, you know, it's a long drive. And I'm like, I taught a course in London. Well, one of the first courses I taught, a guy came from Brazil for a four day workshop. Uh, the first class I did in this workshop here where I moved to now the first girl that booked a course uh, came from um, Israel. It's like people travel for stuff. And, yeah. um, you yeah. know, I'm always moved when people get in a plane to come and do a class. So you have to understand that, you know, living near the work I think is important because, I mean, it's not quite the same thing with the training. But the thing is, if if, so, if two people call you you know, for a job and one lives, you know, half an hour away and someone else says, well, you know, I'm going to need a few days notice. Got to, got to drive down from wherever. It's like, well, you know what I mean? It's like, I'd rather we didn't have that complication between you and the job in case something changes. I don't want to have the extra burden of you being put out. So there is something to be said for being geographic close to where the work is so that you can be available. Absolutely. Um, I think that's just a harsh truth. So if you live nowhere near where they're making stuff, well, you kind of need to move to where the stuff is being made, I think. Even in a world of remote working, um, there's still a lot that, you know, has to be said Which for this is, close. Yeah, well, this is, this is not, sadly, not, not one of the businesses where working remotely is very doable. No, you're trying to stick a makeup on an actor. It's <laughs> I need to be there. <laughs> um, but you need the to think about it. The screen keeps getting in the way. Yeah, well, you need to yeah. think about the travel costs or, you know, the cost of accommodation, the loss of income from a job you may have to leave in order to do this, uh, and then just seeing it from the employer's point of view. And the other thing is as well, like, 
just be sure if you do have to travel, think about language, visa, or immigration issues. Because the amount of times where I've like, I've had people say that they want to, you know, oh, I can help you out in a job, um, but you know, can you sort out my paperwork for the visa? I'm like, it's just me, man, in my workshop. It's just I need a couple of people to help. I haven't, I don't have the spare facility to just run up again do you know what i mean you've got to you've got to take care like your tax yeah. situation as well i'm not your tax office I, I need self-employed people that are ready to go i don't need the extra admin so know that that if you have all this extra hassle and paperwork you're going to put on somebody else it's something that might work against you so being available and present for the work is is a big part of it too because otherwise it's like you're great but i just i can't hire you Number eight, I've written down as luck, because frankly, you've got to be at the right place at the right time. It, it actually, it, yeah, it plays into it for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know when I first got my break, I think it was just a luck thing, like anything. I mean, but you know, the harder you work, the more luck you seem to get. But you can't control your employers or their desire to hire you. You know, you can't. You can only do your very best and try and be in the right place at the right time. But there is some element of luck in that. So. You know, you win some, you lose some. So just you've got, you've got to maintain your your standards and keep keep your abilities up and keep trying. But you have to be determined sometimes. and persistent. Yeah, persistent is good. But there is luck, and you know, don't take it too hard if something doesn't work out. There's always another show, so there's always something else coming. Um, yep. If you didn't win Publishers Clearinghouse this year, there's always next year. Exactly. There we go. Number nine, we did already, which was people hate a dear sir or madam letter, which is yeah. true. Um, it just doesn't. It just doesn't look good. <laughs> I understand the convenience of being able to cut and paste. I'm just saying, hide your tracks. Don't make it obvious that that's what you've done. Um, yeah. Number ten. I just want to touch on the point of offering to work for free. Um, you know, if you're going to go up against people who are trying to make a living. Uh, there's very few people that are going to think well of that strategy of offering to work for free because if there's an no, it's endless... it's not going to win you any friends. No, there's going to be an endless supply of people who think it's a viable strategy, but the essence really is to get free training and opportunities in exchange for no pay, I suppose. But the cost of the baby... Well, the same, you know, the, same is true for, the same the same is true for undercutting, you know, if somebody, you know, oh, I'll do, I can do it cheaper than that. I'll do it yeah. for less than that. That's that's not doing anybody any favors either. What it does is it undermines the industry. It undermines the, the people working in your market. And it's going to put you on somebody's enemies list. Yeah, it's not. Because eventually you're going to want. Yeah, well, eventually you're going to want to make money doing this, right? Unless you intend to work for free for the rest of your life. So you're going to yeah. start resenting it. If you say you work for free for somebody and then. You know, they take you on and then gradually you're going to want to start getting paid. And over the years you get paid and then it becomes your main source of income because that's what you do all the time. And then somebody comes in and says, oh, I'll do it for nothing. You wouldn't look very kind on that person. And that's what everyone's trying to do, right? Everyone's trying to make a living doing this. So you do need to get paid. So just be aware. I'm just, I'm not saying you should never work for free in the sense that I've done stuff for free for friends or for people who, who, who had good, yeah, honest there has endeavors. There a reason for it. Yeah, what are you going to get? You're going to get something out of it. You're going to get a good opportunity or some, I hate the word exposure, but some good, good opportunity that gave me things that I wouldn't have otherwise had that I chose to do because I, I wanted what that would provide me. There's something in it for you, but just doing it for no money all the time, you know, that's, that's not, I'm just saying, don't, don't, 
don't think to you it sounds like they must they'll, they'll snap me up because i'm not you know i don't want any pay but I, i'm just saying that's not a great strategy because of that and also the the other danger like you were saying there about the yeah, undercutting um you know the, as seth godin said the danger with trying to be the cheapest and race to the bottom is that you might win you know you might yeah. win you might be the cheapest and, and once and, that doesn't, and once you do something good. and once you do something cheap or for no money that's all that employer's going to expect from you. Yeah, no one's going to start paying you a bunch of money more because you did less. And I had that before with jobs. It was like, oh, we do this for nothing. The next one, I'll pay you top dollar. It's like that never works because, like, you know, <laughs> if you have top dollar available, you would have had it now. Why this job? So, yeah, taking work for no fee, it's, it's tricky. Because the other thing is as well, I've seen people take on jobs or they were doing a job. They're like – they. They want something doing. And this isn't so much about getting work for an employer. This is more about, you know, people who want to have something made. And so they come to you for the work. And they'll say they've got no money. Yeah. And it's like, well, if you have got no money, then you don't really have a business. I mean, I'd love to go into a restaurant, fill up and have three-course meal and drink loads of beer and say, do you know what? It would really help me out if I didn't have to pay for that. It's like, that's not how a business works, you know. Um you're not there. So you're not there as a makeup artist to subsidize and finance that production. If you do that, you're now a producer. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, so be wary of that. I think maybe, you know, it could, you, you can do things for free or for friends or maybe one or two jobs because you get good experience or a portfolio building, but you've got to limit those jobs and be wary of taking paying, of taking a paying job away from someone, um, by offering to work for free because I, I think it's a bad strategy. Because the other thing is, well, you're going to be working with other strategy. Yeah, you're going to be working with people who eventually are going to become people who hire. You know, um, I've worked with a lot of people who are now running jobs. You know, ten, twenty years later, they're now you know running things, and they remember the people that screwed them over. So, it's not a not a good thing if you want to be around doing this for a while. Um, point number eleven. Agreed. Point number eleven. Um, is understanding about the, the securities, NDAs, and the outsider risk, which is a relatively new phenomenon. It didn't affect me, you know, when we were starting out. But imagine you you go to a, a workshop and, you know, no one asks you to sign anything. Uh, this is what the production are worried about. Say you're doing Game of Thrones, and then, you know, maybe a character comes back from the previous series, they died, and then, you know, there you are sculpting their their body or something in this new series and everyone's like oh that character comes back oh that must be so you take photos and then you know you leave your phone on the bus or it gets stolen and then the next thing you know it's in the papers and then hbo are like what the fuck how did this get out you know what I mean? so basically because of the ease of transmitting information a lot of productions now are really really tight on non-disclosure agreements or ndas where basically they don't just let people in and out easily like they used to so just be aware People are wary about having people just pop to the workshop. It used to be something we could do, but now it's tricky. <laughs> uh, you can imagine things like Star Wars. No yeah. one was just popping in. You know what I mean? They had days where they would let family in and it was all prearranged because it was such a big show and people were working on it for years. But you don't just rock up, you know, helping out. So that is another factor that is going to make it harder for you to just pop in. It's, you know, it, there, there's admin for somebody for you to do that. You know, when we popped to Frankie Polito's place, you remember they had like a, an iPad ready to go. But just to even yep. get in the building, you sign an NDA because there's all this really cool stuff going on. You don't talk about it. But, uh, that's that's a necessary evil. That's just how the world works now. That was actually a pretty cool, cool uh, way they had to, like a 
handprint kind of thing. Yeah. Was... <laughs> yeah. Well, it it needs it for those kind of level of jobs. I think that's fantastic. But the other the other point about security, the other point about security I want to make is that if you're going to try and get work from someone just ask yourself can you be trusted or do you have a history of revealing every facet of your life online because if i'm an employer if i see that you blab about every injustice that's ever happened to you online um then as someone who may have to tell you stuff or be mean to you or or chase you out for a job and get your stuff done i'm going to wonder if you're going to hate on me publicly um and it might not be a good quality to have uh, you know discretion is a desirable quality so Outside of the NDA security thing, just think about your own conduct online and how you present. Because there, I know there's there are quite a few people on Facebook I've just stopped following or, or unfriended because every single thing they say is is just bitching and moaning and negative, and it's just like. And then well, you'll see a post saying, "That's why I left Facebook altogether." Yeah, just had too much of it. Yeah, just negative, just all the time negative. And then they're like, "Oh, I need to work." It's like, "Oh, I'm not fucking surprised." Uh, point number 12 no names no uh, point number 12 the union is there a union where you're working is the union control the work where you uh, are you permitted uh, in England we have Beck 2 um, and it doesn't have any teeth I've still got somewhere when I was clearing out I've still got it somewhere my um, contract from Gladiator right and in that contract it says uh, if you want to work on this production, you basically waive any rights or benefits you have from any union or governing body or trade union that you are affiliated with. It actually has that in the contract. And I remember wow. thinking at the time, oh, this is bullshit. Now, that wouldn't truck at IATSE, I'm sure. <laughs> but No, it, not a chance. And I'm sure maybe back to, but I'm kind of thinking you've got Universal Pictures and you've got back to. And I'm like, are they going to? I don't know. I just can't see them having enough teeth. It's a un- It's not a union in the same way that IATSE is a union, I don't think. And it, it seems to me um, it's sort of like uh, it pays lip service to what a union can be, but it doesn't seem to get stuff shut down because it's not, you know, the production's not pulling its weight. And if it did, I, I, over here, they would just navigate around it, I think. They just hire different people. So it's, it's, not, it's not a suit of armor that you can wear. Uh, to protect yourself in the same way. So I was annoyed that that happened, you know, on, on Gladiator. But I was starting out, so I was happy for the work, and I was young enough and had, you know, few enough commitments that if I had to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I'd do it. But um, but that's what everybody signed, that contract. So, you know, they were aware that they could pull shit like that in England that they probably wouldn't be able to do in the States. Um, but it's worth considering, isn't it? Uh, whether there's a union involved and sure. that's going to that's going to affect things i mean obviously unions are there to protect workers and maintain paying conditions but the trade-off is it's not an easy path to get into it's not an open door um but you know an unregulated workforce uh isn't great either so somewhere in between but uh do consider whether there is a union because obviously that's going to affect how you can work or whether indeed you can work at all. Yeah, it can be a good news, bad news thing. Yeah, and it's a it's a tough thing to get into. It's like you can't get a job unless you're in the union, but you can't get in the union unless you've got a job. It's like the experience thing, isn't it? It's kind of tough. The old catch twenty two. Yeah, and and just look out generally for cons of being taken advantage of. I mean, there are I have seen like subscription sites and and, and services that take payment, um, you know, in order to sort of give you the secret, you know, way in and. 
you know, they can slip you the call sheets first or the, the listings of which studios are getting hired. In my experience, that's all just bullshit. Do you know, I was thinking about this with the, um, yeah. with the, uh, with the current crisis at the moment. What would be a really, really profitable hustle would be if you worked in a supermarket and your job was stacking the shelves. If you knew when the toilet roll delivery came in, you could charge people like a hundred bucks <laughs> to be able to text them and go, the toilet roll's going out in 10 minutes. And that's when you roll down to the supermarket and pick up your loo rolls. Do you know what I mean? That kind of thing. I'm not suggesting anyone do that, but that seemed like a, if you were that way inclined, that would be a very profitable hustle. Who would have thought mm. that someone would pay a hundred bucks just to find mm. out when the loo rolls are going down? <laughs> well, that's pretty much what some of these um, some of these subscription things I've seen before, where people pay money to yeah. be, you know, to get the inside scoop, and it's like I don't I don't believe that works. The, typically, the people if you're making a movie tomorrow, if you're in charge of it, you're a showrunner, you already know who you're going to call tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? You've already got your bullet, like, like me yeah. or you. If something terrible happens, you already know who your best friend is. You're going to call, and then you work down your list of you know. Like that's how it works. It's like you've got to understand that people work in their relationships, who they know, who they trust, who they've used before, who recommends. You're, you're unlikely to walk in as a complete unknown, even with any information you think you may have that's gonna that's gonna swing it for you. You know, at best you might find out and apply, but it, I I think there's a lot of people making money pretending that they've got the inside scoop and they they fucking haven't. So be aware yeah, of that. And I've I, I've heard. I've heard of shops also that that have interns, but the interns pay to to rather than getting paid. You know, you have paid and unpaid internships. I've heard of places that actually have their interns pay for the privilege of being an intern somewhere. And you know, to me, that's that's a red flag. Yes. Okay. So I should just I'm going to say this now, but I should have said this at the top, basically. Um, so I'm going to go through a bunch of points that we were talking about, about how to get work in an effects shop. And I'll say at the end, you know, we'll go through at the end, what, what we think are good ways to actually do that. But let's just kick off with a bunch of things to be aware of before you start, just because you need to be looking in the right direction and thinking about the right things. Cause there are some, some key elements that will, uh, affect things outside of be really good have excellent work in your folio and and and, and show up for a face-to-face meeting at the studio that's obviously the best way uh to, to to try and get some work but before you do that let's just go through a sort of a checklist of things that are worth discussing uh, in some detail because i think they're very important points okay well if you've got a meeting with somebody i think it's important for you to be early because Showing up on time, you're still late. Yes, is is that uh, that military thing? Isn't it fifteen minutes prior? Of, of you yeah. know, if I meet you at ten, you know, you you, you would they if two military guys would meet, they'd both be there at quarter two to ten. I don't know if that's true, but it it sounds like a, a a good thing. Punctuality means a lot, especially if someone's got a a tight schedule. You need to be build some wiggle room. Absolutely, and that that happens even when you're working. Actually, you like you've got to make up starting at four a.m. You know, I know it takes me an hour to get there. I don't leave at 3 a.m. I leave at 20 to 3 because I I, I need to get there. And you got to Scotty factor everything. A what, sorry? You have to Scotty factor everything, too. You know, Mr. Scott from Star Trek, you know, if it's if you know it's going to take you an hour 
to get from your house to where you need to be. Give yourself an hour and a half because you never know. Maybe the bridge will be out or maybe a herd of cattle in the way. Something. <laughs> Tornado. That's you get a you get a flat tire. I've not heard the Scotty thing before. I like that. You know, <laughs> give give your give yourself give yourself some pad. Yeah, you know, the Scotty factor worked great because you know he said, Scotty, I need warp warp power in five minutes. You know, <laughs> Scotty knows it's gonna knows it's gonna take gonna take two hours to do something. He'll take tell him it takes four hours, and then if he gets it done in three, he's a hero. Yeah, well, that's a little trick in, in uh, any makeup thing, isn't it? It's like, oh, you know, if you know you've got a 10-minute job, say 15, and then do it in eight. Because if you're one second slow, yeah. they hate you. But if you're, you know, five minutes early. Every time an AD comes to me and asks me if if I'm if I'm if how, mu- how much longer it's going to be, is that every time you ask me that, I'm going to add 30 minutes. <laughs> you can get some terrifying ADs. Not normally second or thirds, but... First ADs, oh my god, like sharks. They sure can be. They can be your best friend or an enemy. So I know, we got any more to add to that? That's just, uh, I think it's a pretty extensive list, but it's just, I I get the feeling this was quite a harsh, preachy episode and probably didn't win me a lot of friends. I don't know. It's probably not going to win us a lot of friends. I still like you. Thanks, man. But I just think it's one of those episodes that it's one of the, the, the harder things about this kind of work is that when it comes to, you know, people giving you money for stuff, that's when the gloves come off. That's when it's not the same as, as people saying nice things to you on Facebook. And so I wanted it to be a very sort of stark kind of like, look, you know, be aware that this is something you need to worry about and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Like, like, well, it's you know. fun. It's fun to do. We, we love doing it, but bottom line is it's still a business and it has to be has to be approached as one mm. i mean it's it's the entertainment industry but it's still a business it's a weird it's supposed one supposed to be fun but it but it isn't always yeah as well i mean the thing i've noticed is it's it's i mean it is exciting and you watch the thing you know when it's on and it's done and it's lovely but it's such a big machine there's so much money at stake you know, like if you've got a film unit in a location for two days, they have to get all that stuff done in that location because the whole unit is going to upstick and move somewhere else. And that could be to a different country or, you know, it, so it's, mm-hmm. there's a huge amount of expense built into all of this stuff. And so for you to eat up a bunch of time because of something that went wrong, that is your responsibility to avoid that's when there's the stark difference between people who say, Oh, it's amazing. You should be on face off. That's not there when someone who's paid, you know, 20, 30 grand to a department is going, this is fucking us up. This is costing a fortune. Why is this not working? And ultimately it'll it'll break down to something you didn't do that you should have done. And it's like, that's where your head's got to be. So they need the right people in the right places to do this kind of stuff. And not everyone can do it. I mean, I watch the, the job I was just on a couple of weeks ago, um, the makeup designer, she's incredible. And she's got such a cool team of people. And she's built for, you know, she's obviously an accomplished makeup artist herself, but she can do what not everyone can, which is actually run the department, deal with production, 
defend the budget when people are trying to put a squeeze on things because everyone's always trying to save money. Yeah. You know, fight your corner. Why hasn't this been done? Why haven't you paid that person? All that kind of stuff. That's not, not everyone can do that. And so not everyone is built to be a designer and can do things. And I don't have a problem with that. I know that's not me. I'm happy to work under a good designer, but I see that. And you realize that there's, you know, there's things at stake. It's just a movie. It's just a TV show. When you see it after the fact, it doesn't seem that important. But at that time when there's, you know, 150 people standing around with really expensive equipment in a location, they've paid a fortune to be in with actors that cost a lot of money. And it's a dramatic scene. All of this stuff matters. And the thing doesn't work because you forgot to bring your glue or you couldn't be asked to clean your brushes or do you know what I mean? It just, and Suddenly, they only have that location for one day. Yeah, you've got to get it be, done. It's so important to be a to be a problem solver. Yeah, but you got to yeah solve problems. This isn't in that working situation. on set. How how do we how do we fix this? Yeah, and here's your options. It's 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 hard. There's a lot of pressure, and it's because of the amount of money involved in producing stuff, like properly produced stuff. When you're on a a unit and there's like you know 20 trailers and all this kind of stuff it's it's huge we did this thing and it was yeah it was in Pall Mall, which is just in front of um buckingham palace you know th- there was a unit there for about a week and it's like how much does it cost to block out that much space <laughs> you know what i mean it's like that's just one location <laughs> you know that and it's a huge 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 undertaking and and i think people just have to be aware that it's it's a frivolous thing to see a TV show on the screen, but in its making, it's very serious. And it, it never ceases to amaze me how important and serious something is. And in the seconds it's in the can and it's done, everyone just moves on and forgets about it. It's like it never happened. But you you can't you can't let that you know instruct how you approach each job. You've got to be on the ball every time, and it's quite stressful. The hours are long precisely because of it and the days are long and there's so much expected from everyone it's 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 not an easy thing to do at all and to be creative under that pressure you know on demand for somebody else um it's 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 an it's a magical magical industry it really is but it's it's it, you you kind of need to see it up close to realize how brutal it can be as well you're you're working for that 36 bucks an hour <laughs> <laughs> but i love it it's 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 magic to me but uh, yep, no it's the most fun i've ever had professionally i think you say it's the most fun i had with my clothes on <laughs> <laughs> well that too oh dear well i think that's all i can squeeze out of this one um i'm actually bored of hearing my own voice now so thank you for um listening i've waffled on i attacked this one like a like a tag dog um but it, well, it we got almost an hour and a half. We have. I didn't mean to go on that long, but um, uh, yeah. Well, get in touch. You know, if you have questions, you can email us at stuartandtodd at gmail.com uh, and check out our new website, battleswithbitsofrubber.com. Um, Woohoo! Yeah. We're, we're, and we're, our YouTube channel. Oh, yeah, our YouTube channel. Yeah, just look us up, Battles with Bits of Rubber. We're there. We're sticking some more tutorials on. I've got some some requests. I mean, we um, because obviously at the moment, at the time of recording, things are a little quiet on the work front. So I, I put a post up saying, if anyone's got any questions, you know, get in touch. We can maybe do some video responses. And this is sort of one of them um, because a few people have asked about this. Um, but I'm going to – I've written down and shot some video of a few other questions as well. Um, and uh, over the next week or two, I'm going to be 
putting those together. But we might do some more audio responses to them simply because there's a lot less editing and work involved. But some things do require, you know, the visual imagery. So some things do have to be video. But, uh, yeah, please do keep the questions coming in because that, that is fuel to our fire. And uh, we will talk to you all soon. Magic, man. Thank you very much, Todd. It was a gas. Okay, mate. Take care. Cheers, man. You can get in touch through our Facebook page or email us at stuartandtodd at gmail.com. Check the show notes for more information. If you enjoyed this episode, tell someone else and help us grow by sharing it on social media. Thanks for listening.